Welcome to the Root of Power podcast, where I teach you how to step into your power, find alignment, and create a life that you love using holistic methods, interviews with industry leaders, and inspiring stories from people who know that true freedom is found within. I'm your host and health and wellness bestie, Amanda Chills, and I'm so proud of you for choosing to step into the root of your power. Hello. I have got a freebie for you guys. If you want to learn to get more in touch and in tune with your emotions, a process that we call embodying your emotions, as in feeling them in your body, I have got a free guide to do just that. If you go to amandachills.com slash communication, it's free. This is actually an interview that I did for my friend Becky, so we talk a bunch of stuff, and I wanted to share it on here as well, so we're just going to dive right in. Let's go! I have my friend Amanda with me, and we've got a super juicy topic. So Amanda is a health coach and a licensed counselor from North Carolina. She lives on a farm, which I'm super jealous. She hangs out with her dog and her horses all day and couldn't ask for a better purpose. She teaches people to heal from trauma. That is a huge part of my heart as well. Um, anxiety, depression, and to step into their full power, which is super important. I'm passionate, or she's passionate, both of us, I guess, um, <laughs> helping people truly live a life on their terms. And she is at her best when she is a hype woman. Go girl. 100. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Welcome. So- welcome. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Hello. Yes. So today we're going to be talking about a topic that is really juicy, but also may hit home for a lot of people. I know it did for Mm -hmm. me and that is codependency. And so before we jump in, can you just tell me a little bit about who you are and why you came on the show to talk about codependency? Sure. (laughs) Um, Well, so I my bio sums it up a lot at my core what i am is someone who wants to see people thrive and when we are weighed down by trauma and anxiety symptoms and depression symptoms we can't do that because they're too heavy and so they weigh us down and really they cloud who we are so a lot of my clients when we start you know really digging the rot out is what i like to say and you know, I also call trauma kind of like a dead body. You have to bury it appropriately to make sure it doesn't come back up, um, which is morbid, but it gets the point across. Yeah, that is true. So once we appropriately bury those dead bodies and we dig the rot out, they start saying, "I, I really feel like me. I feel like this is a new me. And I said, this is who you've been the whole time underneath all of that trauma. So that is that is the best thing that I do is I help people discover who they are underneath all of their conditioning, all of the things that have been handed to them that were never theirs to carry and just start discovering like, what do I want? Who am I? What does that look like? And we're going to talk a lot about that with codependency. So that is what I do. I have built a business around it. I um, have a farm in North Carolina. So I literally sit in a field with my horses and we do therapy outside. So we're wow. stacking variables. We're, we're in the sun. It, we have birds. Um, I have roosters who never shut up. <laughs> so yep, we have those too. Oh, <laughs> and you know, yes. my dad wants guinea hens and I'm just like <laughs> over your dead body. Like, I'm um, so my dog is always with me. So I really built a business 
basically doing what I want. So I can be outside with my horses and my dog and helping people. And it's been wonderful. Um, so that is what I do. And then the reason I'm on this podcast is because the whole point, I think, of knowing something and of being good at something is to share what you know so other people can learn and then they struggle less. And if there is like one hope that I have for human beings is that they suffer less. Yeah. Because life is too long and way too short, like at the same time to just be miserable. But a lot of people don't know. They don't know what they don't know. And the more people that are exposed to terms like codependency, like trauma, as it's defined now versus how it was defined maybe 10 or 20 years ago, the more people start to say, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. I just have healing work to do. And so that's why I'm here is just to educate and tell people they're normal. (laughs) Like you're suffering. It's normal. Welcome to the human experience. And that it doesn't have to be your everyday. Yeah, I think getting people unstuck is yes. such an amazing work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we talked about it earlier, but for me, for my Enneagram, I'm all heart. And so yes. this just directly speaks to the same mission that I have as well, yeah. because people, like you said, they don't know what they don't know. And no. so they feel like my life is always going to be like this. And that's mm-hmm. similar to the story that I had with an anxiety, you know, yeah. with anxiety and depression is like, mm-hmm this can't be it. This, this bottom cannot be where I stay and there's got to be another way. So thank you for the work that you're doing. It's very, very important. And it's the best. I'm glad that you're doing it. Thank you, dude. Thank you. The more people that are doing light work, Mm -hmm. there's like a term in this field called light workers or healing work or whatever, like, which can be kind of problematic because everyone does light work in a different way. Um, but the more people that are just out there to support people. So thank God for podcasts because hello, it's free. People just listen to it. Dude, the internet and podcast is like the best thing to me. It is. It's, and I've always been intimidated to start one. And then (laughs) I was like, okay, you know what? It's 2020. Just why not? 100. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing else is the same. Let's just dive in and try it. Nothing matters. Yeah, that is part of why I like podcasting because there are zero rules. So I'm like, hey, I can follow that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, right. There's no rules to follow. And something I say all the time is like, there are stupid people do it, right? Like, (laughs) you're not stupid. Like, there are people living your dream, but they're dumb. Yeah. And they're just doing it because they just did it. Like, the only difference between someone living your dream and you living your dream is they just did it. They just did. Right. Just and like that step. all the time I'm like, well, there's dumb people doing it and I'm not dumb. So I could do it. Yeah. And they're having <laughs> that makes me feel better. It's like, Oh, I want to do that for sure. Yeah. So, so well, to anyone listening, do what you want. There's people yes. who are stupid living your dream. You can do it better. <laughs> um, it's so funny. I'm gonna, now that's going to play in my head every time I'm doing something, be like, you can do this. <laughs> yeah. It really makes me feel better. Cause I'm like, self, you're not stupid. So you yeah. can do that. <laughs> yes. Yes. For sure. Well, I know we have a lot to unpack here, so yes. I'd like to go ahead and just jump right into the topic. Yeah. Can you just explain how codependency or first what it is for those yes. who don't know, and then how it develops. And then that trauma bond that just is like yes. super glue. So if you okay. could explain that to us, that would be amazing. So codependency is a set of relationship behaviors. Now it can be in friendship. It can be 
most of the time we see it in romantic relationships or with our family members. At its core, codependency says, I find my validity and my worth through other people. My worth and my validity is only in relationship to others. It's only met through other people. I am not me without being somebody else's boyfriend, oh, boy. girlfriend, right. partner, daughter, mother, whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, this is very often unconscious. What I mean by that is we're not actively trying to have this kind of a relationship because as we'll get into, it's extremely painful. One of the hallmarks of codependency is that you betray yourself all of the time to keep peace, to get love, even though that definition of love isn't very healthy, um, to get attention, to get validation. For many, many things, you self-betray because you feel like you're not enough to say, I will stand on my own and I will be okay. It may hurt, but I will be okay. I don't need you. I want you. And that is completely different. Codependency says, I need you. I cannot survive without you. I cannot be happy without you. And so that becomes something that is programmed in people. Many of older generations, many of our, I'm 30. Um, So many of like boomer and that kind of generation had codependent relationships. Now there's a number of reasons for that, right? Women couldn't even have credit cards in their names until the seventies. Like there's a lot of hallmarks. I'm going to talk about the hallmarks of codependent relationships. Many people stay in unhealthy relationships because they're, they don't know what it means to be outside of that relationship. It's too scary. Change is hard. Mm -hmm. They're not confident. They were never taught that they are worth respect they're worth kindness, they can do it on their own. So codependency, I I go off on tangents, but I'll bring it back. At its core says that our worth is met from other people. And in order to continue being worthy of them, we have to self-sacrifice and self-betray. So this creates a thing called trauma bonds. Trauma bonds is a broad term for saying this relationship is insecure and inherently is traumatic because when you self-betray, when you don't stand in your truth and you're not honest and you're not setting boundaries and you don't stand up for yourself or your partner makes it unsafe to, then that inherently is traumatic. And the phrase I use often is it throws you out of alignment, which can lead to depression, anxiety, PTSD, because you are living in survival mode all the time. Now it's unconscious because we learn these things as children. So when we are very, very young children, we will die if our parents don't love us. And I put love in air quotes because that is a very broad definition. So what we learn to do as children is whatever it takes to survive. If your parent was abusive, you learn to do any number of things. Sometimes that is be quiet be good. And I'm going to put that in air quotes because that definition of good can be extremely traumatic and problematic. You learn to not cause problems. You learn to lie because sometimes lying is safer. Um, That sets the stage. Our childhood caregiver relationship, whether that's a parent or a grandparent or an absent parent or a parent abandoned you, sets the stage for our later adult relationships because that's all that you know. Yeah, so, that attachment. 
Right. So yeah. that attachment sets the stage. So for example, something I say often is like, if you grow up in a house speaking German, guess what you're going to speak when you grow up? Right. German. If you grow up in a house where you speak codependency, where one parent, very often it's one parent sets the stage for the whole family. So for example, one of my clients, um, it, it would be her mother and no one is allowed to upset her mother. The whole family for their entire family unit life has revolved around and dedicated itself to never upsetting the mother. But the mother can do whatever she wants. She can be traumatic, she can be manipulative, problematic behaviors, but no one is allowed to upset her. So what they learn is very codependent relationships. They need her validation in order to be safe. Mm -hmm. So that wires us a certain way. Our central nervous system gets attuned to that. And what I mean by that is we become comfortable and we feel safe in a certain environment because that's the environment we are most used to and grew up in. A good example of this is like soldiers who were deployed overseas. They become attuned to a very dangerous, chaotic environment. Well, your nervous system is doing the best it can to keep you alive and keep right. you safe. So we become attuned to these things, but when they come home, when they switch their environment, it feels different. They don't know how to cope because their nervous system is not attuned to that. So when we, this is a long explanation, but I'm getting to the point. No, it's perfect. This is great. <laughs> Thank you. Uh -huh. So when we become adults, so let's say we grow up in a enmeshed family, meaning there's no boundaries. One parent kind of rules the household, but it's very unspoken. These are not rules that are like put on, you know, you're right. living wall yeah they become your culture your family culture oh sorry i need my little peeper um so they become your family culture because that's all we know we grew up in a house speaking codependency and trauma bonds that is where we will feel comfortable that's where we will feel safe so we will recreate that same bond with our partners in an attempt to heal our family dynamic, which is why when we awaken to that saying, oh my gosh, this is not good. Something is out of alignment. I, I don't feel supported in this relationship. I don't feel healthy. I don't feel happy. It often feels like you're dying because you're also ending that relationship with your family. So the wound is so much bigger, yeah. which means your emotional reaction is proportionally also bigger. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That makes a lot okay. of sense. I think too, if, if both partners grew up in a home with different mm -hmm. codependency yes. tendencies, and then they get together, it's like, why, what's happening? Why are, why is there so much friction? And it's like, even yes. if you're meant to be together, like you said, it's not that you're broken or the relationship's broken. It's right. just the ideas that both of you have brought to the table or, mm -hmm. or, you know, not working. problematic and yeah. unhealthy. So yeah. there are so many people. Um, the, so codependency looks different, right? Very often people who are manipulative and have abusive behaviors, that's also codependent, but in the extreme other side, they need someone who has no boundaries, someone who was taught not to speak up, to never rock the boat, to keep peace. Because as a child, if your voice is never heard or it was unsafe to be heard, pretty soon you're going to learn to be quiet. Yeah. And then that's all you practice. So mm -hmm. all you practice is keeping the peace. So then people who are abusive, who do they look for? Yeah. Well, 
people who are super good at keeping the peace. And there's some rhetoric, and I, I want to mention this because it's important. There's some rhetoric in the, the healing community or therapy work where it says, um, you attract that, right? Like you attract what you put out. Yeah. No. Oh, oh no. 100%. No, you That's do even not. more, <laughs> more damaging to That's think, Oh, right. and I thought I did this. And yeah, they said all these professionals are saying, yes, actually right. are saying I deserve this and I asked for it and you did not. So if you are in a relationship and you're saying, Oh, okay. Oh, the things you're saying make sense. Oh, you did not ask for this. What happens is those people don't care who they're with. People who are abusive, who have manipulative tendencies, who have the, the abusive end of a trauma bond, they don't care who they're with. They will stay with anyone who allows them to stay. So you didn't ask for it, you just didn't explicitly say no, yeah. which is not a judgment, just an observation because they didn't, they don't know how, they don't know how to stand up for themselves and set boundaries and say no, because those are very specific skills that when you grow up in a codependent family, you don't speak. No one teaches them to you. What about families, you know, for, and I talked with you a little bit about this and it's our testimony. So I'm, I'm fine with saying, talking about it, but sure. you know, my husband and I've been married for 10 years. And for five of those years, and while we were dating, he was very addicted to narcotics. And of course he had several traumatic things. He was in a plan explosion. And after that, it was the doctor that we went to just prescribed him this concoction of just awful. And so from, yeah. from there, it really spiraled and everybody who knows me, you know, personally knows about our story and he's been clean mm -hmm. for five years and he's doing Good amazing. The thing is we both grew up with amazing families. Mm -hmm. really okay. good families. And so yes. if somebody's listening to this, they're like, Oh, I'm just going to turn this off because I didn't have a traumatic childhood or <laughs> yeah. I didn't have whatever, but I just want to say <laughs> it's not because your childhood was awful. It can show up right. later as well. Even if you had a, amazing parents and yes. really good siblings and still close, we're both yes. close with our families, mm -hmm. but we still have dealt with this addiction and codependency relationship. So I just want to say it's, it's not yes. just for one type of family. Thank you for bringing that up because that's something I hear often and it can, it can, we invalidate ourselves by saying, Oh, that's, but I grew up in a good family. I didn't have a traumatic experience that people would think was typically traumatic. So trauma in this sense and what can trigger a codependent relationship, you may have grown up in a wonderful, supportive, loving family, but perhaps one of your parents was more absent. Perhaps one of your parents only knew how to um, encourage you to do something by guilt tripping you or by manipulating you in some other way. Um, perhaps one of your parents left. And even if you had a, a really supportive step parent or your one of your caregivers or you were raised by your grandparents and your grandparents were wonderful and supportive and they loved yeah. you. There's so many things that can create a codependent relationship because they're always based out of fear. Now that fear can come from something that is kind of in this community called a little T trauma. And you don't need to know that term, but what it really means is trauma is defined as anything that overwhelms your ability to cope. Now, as a child, you have no coping skills. Like 
you are a child. Right, <laughs> you right. know how to do, if your parent, even if they were wonderful, if they were dysregulated, if they didn't talk through their emotions or teach you how to talk through them, if you had a really wonderful, supportive mother, but she was very depressed. And so she would emotionally be absent or your parent tried to live through you or you had a helicopter parent. Like it's experiencing these um, behaviors and relationship dynamics don't mean you didn't have a wonderful family or supportive parents or a close family. It means that some of your needs were not met because we're all human. And it is, there's no way that your parents can meet every single one of your needs because that's not real. So part of this process also, one of the things that has to exist is learning to see your parents or caregivers as human, as wow. flawed, and to give them grace and understanding. Now you don't have to forgive. I'm never going to tell anyone they need to forgive anyone for anything, but giving them grace and um, just the perspective of where they were coming from and what they were struggling with. Or what they were taught us, too. Or what yeah. they were taught, right? Yeah. We are in these patterns because they're generational. How many fathers do you know who don't know how to connect with their daughters? Mm -hmm. How many, because mothers tend to be better at connecting with sons, but something I see that's systemic is fathers don't know how to connect with their daughters. And instead of learning, they just, because it's uncomfortable, they don't, they don't, they just choose not to. Or because femininity in our culture is so shut down, men can't dress up like a princess with their daughters and go to the movies. Like that's very abnormal. Mm -hmm. So that it becomes systemic, it becomes cultural and it becomes your own family culture as well. But you're right. It doesn't mean that you don't have a close, supportive, lovely family. It just means your family was human and sometimes right. I don't always get mad. It was made of a bunch of people. I mean, it's, yes. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, especially when you have a partner who uses, yeah. because there's a lot of behaviors that come along with someone who's in active addiction because it takes a lot of work to hide the drug use and to, yep. to get drugs that they learn a lot of manipulative and behaviors that can also you know, we, our brain chemistry gets addicted to a certain pattern as well because we become attuned to that pattern. Mm -hmm. So sometimes what I find when people are healing from a codependent relationship, and I do a lot of couples work, is that once they start becoming aware of it, they'll also start becoming aware of when things are too good, like they're too calm. So they'll start a fight because yeah. their brain's like, mm, we're supposed to not how it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's how we get comfortable in, mm -hmm. in conflict. Yeah, for sure. It's really adaptive. Like, hey, thanks a lot, brain, but like, we don't want <laughs> to do that. Chill. We need to chill this a little <laughs> but, bit. Like, please chill out. Yeah, I need to like come down about 10 notches. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry I keep looking to the side. My daughter's like, she's supposed to be asleep, but she's like trying <laughs> to Houdini her way out of her bed. And like, she almost <laughs> went over at one point. She had. She's figured out like the sides are higher. Ah. She's 14 months. So she's like so grabbing cute. the top of the thing and sticking her uh -huh. leg over and she just about <laughs> flipped. I was like, oh, I'm about to have to run out. But Good thing babies have now. hard heads. <laughs> she definitely does because she's hit it quite a few times. She's laying down now. Hope she does. Mm. She's just been fighting it so much. Oh, yeah. She's, she's got the booty in the air. She's Embrace she's the way. sleep, baby. You'll be tired as an adult. <laughs> right. 
yeah. It's because she wants to stay up nursing all night. Mm, my family literally makes fun of me for how much I sleep, but it's like my favorite thing to do. That's funny. Do you know what your Enneagram number is? Um, I think I'm a seven. I took the test a long time ago, but there's so many tests that like, mm -hmm. I don't know what's accurate. So yeah. maybe you can tell me when we do our interview. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Back into podcast mode. Sorry. I just didn't want you to be like, what is she doing? But I'm no looking worries. at the monitor cause she's, I think we're, we're finally she's partying. Party of one. <laughs> Always. Always. So, okay. Well, what about the parent or the mom or even the dad that's listening to this and they're like, I don't know if I have a codependent relationship or perhaps mm. I'm just a person who's more introverted and he just sure. is more of a leader. So are there like, you know, I know, I don't know if there's a test. Like ways but, to tell. Yeah. How could you tell yes. that this is just a, okay, he's the leader of our home and I'm just sure. the submissive wife and we're cool with that mm -hmm. versus there's an issue here. Well, you already said it. It would be if you're cool with that. Okay. And that's really, so that's the short and the long answer. So I'll talk about some hallmarks of codependent relationships, mm -hmm. and then we'll talk about the nuance that exists. So a lot of the hallmarks are self-betrayal. What I mean by that is you say no when you want to say yes, or more often you say yes when yes. you want to say yep. no. Um, you do not ask for things that you want or need because you're not allowed to or they make it too difficult so sometimes they won't outright say no but it'll say um hey i i really would love more could you put your phone down while we're having dinner and connect with me and they say oh my god you always ask for this you're so needy like i'm working so they don't say no but they make it too difficult for you to ask again and that yeah. That is someone who doesn't want to meet your needs. And so you learn over time to self-betray. You don't ask for what you want or need. You self-sacrifice. Does it ever switch? Like for, can, I mean, yeah. for us, for example, because we're still trying to figure out that my husband and I, is who I'm referring to, we're still trying to figure out the dynamic of us because my personality yeah. is a lot stronger mm -hmm. and his personality is more set back. And as yeah. he is you know, cause with the drug use, he had pretty much, that became his everything. So that was right. his main focus. So he wasn't working on self-discovery. He wasn't working right. on his spiritual life and, and all those things. And now that his mind is more focused on, you mm -hmm. know, his relationship with our boys and with our daughter and yeah. all of these things, there's still times where it's difficult to tell, okay, are these like addictive tendencies from yeah. before? So my first reaction is like, no we're not going to do this or whatever. And so then it sure. becomes this power struggle again. So uh -huh. does it ever switch once it can. you're this started? Yeah, it can. And everybody has some codependent behaviors, like because we, we just grow up in different families. And so they're very nuanced and they can look very mm -hmm. different, but yeah, it, one partner is going to do it sometimes. The other partner is going to do it sometimes, but codependent is is different than like manipulative behaviors. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you just like, you want the other person to say yes. So you like manipulate them into doing it. And we all do that, right? I'm sure. a counselor in real life and sometimes I do it. And it's like <laughs> not perfect either. Yeah. Um, but codependency at its core is the self-betrayal and self-sacrifice. That's one of the hallmarks because you are too afraid to lose that person that you 
disempower yourself and you empower them. So being manipulative, like having manipulative tendencies, we're humans, that's what we do. But the self-betrayal and the self-sacrifice come from being so terrified to lose them that you will do anything to keep them. Yeah. which is a little bit different than a power struggle. Does that answer that question? It does. And I think too, okay. just with somebody listening, just with the dynamic of marriage in general, there is sacrifice in marriage because yes. you're each giving to each other. So I'm, I'm trying to just make sure that when people are listening, cause they're like, oh, we're codependent. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Like maybe, you maybe may not. Just, right. You may just be giving, you know, cause like whenever we got married, married is a hundred percent. Like mm-hmm. I give a hundred percent. It's not a 50, 50. I give right. everything that I have. You give everything that you have. Right. And that best is going to be flawed, but it's yes. just where, you know, where you are and what yes. you bring to the table. And so, so self-sacrifice is like, my boyfriend loves to go to breweries, right? I don't even drink beer. I don't care, but I go because he loves it. Now that's not because I'm afraid to lose him. It's because I want him to be happy. So yes. the hallmark of these behaviors that I'm going to mention is, well, specifically these two, because the other ones are a little more black and white. Mm -hmm. is that they are done, but they don't feel good. They feel like self-abandonment because Mm -hmm. that's what it is. Yeah. And you will know once you start paying attention to why am I saying yes to this? Because I'm afraid to lose them because I'm afraid they'll be angry or because I want them to be happy because they give and take with me too. That is healthy. But because I'm afraid to lose them or because I'm afraid they'll be angry and that's the worst thing. Because a lot of people will say, well, I don't want them to be mad. And I say, well, what happens if they get angry? They say they won't love me anymore. Right. It's, it's what the result that exactly. is the codependent self-betrayal versus mm-hmm. he goes to breweries and he goes on hikes with me when I want to go on a hike. So, yeah. and he deals with all the farm animals. <laughs> which he's lucky too. Um, yes. yes. So self-betrayal and self-sacrifice. Self-betrayal is different than self-sacrifice. We all sacrifice in a relationship, but self-betrayal is self-abandonment. You are not honest about what you want. You don't stand up for yourself. You are so afraid to lose them that you, you aren't who you are. Right. Yeah. A lot of the other ones are expecting your partner to meet all of your needs. Yeah. Now this is something I see more often in men because men are not allowed or taught to have the depth of friendships that women are typically allowed to have. There's some nuance that's like, don't come at me, men. But like right. in our culture, <laughs> men typically don't have as deep a friendship as women have. So their partner becomes their therapist, their best friend, their blah, 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 their everything. Your partner cannot be your everything. That's not healthy. You should exist as your own people. And your, it's like a tripod. There's like you, you, and your other relationship. And now you have a beautiful triangle. Yes. So... Your partner cannot meet all your needs, but expecting your partner to is a codependent thing. Mm -hmm. Projecting all of your emotions onto them is a codependent thing. I'm angry because you, you piss me off. You make me happy. You make me sad. All of my relations, all of my emotions are tied to your behaviors. That's codependent. When we, and we'll talk about conscious relationships in a second. They're often very chaotic because there's a lot of imbalanced power dynamics. There's a lot of self-betrayal, which along with that comes misalignment. It comes being angry because you're, you know that something is wrong, that this is not right, that it doesn't feel good. And that often comes up as being irritable. There's a lot of insecurity 
because your relationship is not secure. And one of the bigger hallmarks is there's no boundaries. You, you become everything they want. Um, they become everything to you. They can do no wrong. They're perfect, but that's not real. So that's a lot of the hallmarks of codependent relationships. Now, these may exist in healthy relationships to a certain extent. The difference is that these feel bad. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Can you talk about what type of boundaries you should have if you feel like you do have a healthy relationship, but maybe because of trauma or, Mm -hmm. you know, for the example, when the explosion happened at my husband's plant. At that yeah. point, he did need me more Yes, because it was a traumatic event. And so yes. if you're suffering through that or, you know, this year we've lost several people close to us to COVID. Yeah. I mean, one of them was my husband's dad. And so, so it's sorry. really, thank you. It's, it's really difficult when there are seasons when you do need each other. Mm-hmm. And so in those seasons, I think that it is vital to have those boundaries because yes. it's so easy to become everything to each other. Mm -hmm. And so can you maybe talk about what boundaries would be good just to kind of keep in the forefront of your mind when you're going through these seasons? Yeah. So I love the way that you phrase it because it is seasons. One of the hallmarks of codependent relationships is that it's all the time. So if this is ringing true for you all the time, perhaps you have a codependent relationship. But if there are seasons, your partner's father passes away, they're injured at work, um, they're going through a really stressful time, you have a baby, like all of those are seasons where you're going to come together. Now, boundaries, emotional boundaries and physical boundaries um, are necessary in any healthy relationship. You cannot be your partner's everything. You can't be their best friend and their therapist and their coach and not all the time. You can be all of those things at the appropriate times, but not all of those things all the time. Right. So One of the boundaries to keep in mind for people is if someone is really struggling with a traumatic event or they're really struggling with depression or anxiety or another mental health issue, they probably need an expert because a lot of people think therapy is just going and talking about your problems. But what it really is, is dismantling what is you've done that was helpful at one time, but is no longer helpful and learning new skills. And you truly need an expert in that because you may personally be very good at time management, but most people do not know anything about holding space and helping someone process deep traumas. That's not your job, literally. And it's unhealthy because you don't know how you could inadvertently make something worse. They become dependent on you in a way that's not healthy. So sometimes if things are too um, intense, they just need to find a different support. And people will know once they start listening to their bodies and really checking in with their partner, hey, this seems like too much for me. I want to support you. And here's how I can do that. I just can't do it in this way. Yes. Whenever, because my husband, both of us are very big believers in counseling. I yeah. you know, have gone through <laughs> lots of counseling. It helps. <laughs> it most helps people. so much. Some people yes. it doesn't, but most people. Yeah. Well, we're open to accept it too and to change. Yeah. So, but one of the counselors that my husband had seen in the past, she mm-hmm. talked about, and I, I just, this analogy, I think of it all the time, that she mm-hmm. said, basically he has a cup that yes. he always has. And so his cup at this point be between all of the traumatic events that's happened mm-hmm. and especially now with the loss of his dad, it's really hit him hard, yeah. but he, his cup is so full that any bump mm-hmm. 
right now it just makes him spill over. Yeah. And also having anything else put on him is just impossible. It just, he, right. he literally cannot contain it. And so that's right. why I think that therapy and counseling are so important to be able yes. to help you to drain some of that cuff out and yeah. deal with it so that you do have the capacity to mm -hmm. even accept love at this point because yeah. even the good because things it, can't fit. It's hard. And so boundaries can look like, hey, partner or self, right? We hold boundaries with ourselves. Like I can support you in this way, but I literally don't know how to do that. And you need somebody who's an expert in that. So go talk to a pastor or hire a coach or XYZ. It can look like I'm willing to do these specific acts of service for you, but I'm not willing to do everything. Or one of the major boundaries that I teach people to hold is even if people are upset, they don't get to be cruel. Yes. That's one of the important ones. That is a boundary in a lot of codependent relationships. We accept behaviors that are cruel yes. because we also learn that love is abandonment and love is shame. And that's not, well, that's what you learn, but it's not healthy. Right. Yes. So so holding someone accountable for what they can control, which is their mouth, their hands, and their body, right? You can be angry and still be kind. You sure. can be mad as heck, mm -hmm. but not call me names. So we hold boundaries like that. I understand you're struggling, but don't call me names. That's not acceptable. I understand that you're sad, but you can't lay in bed for a month. You have to get help. Mm -hmm. um, I understand that you are struggling with addiction, but this is not something I'm willing to have in my marriage for the rest of time. Yeah. So this is what I need you to do. And if you don't meet them, that is your choice. And so the hallmark of conscious relationships is saying, here are my expectations. Here's what I need. And understanding that people choose whether or not to meet them. And that choice has nothing to do with us. Yeah. And that should take the responsibility. That should take that burden off yes. too, especially yes. if you're a fixer, because then you're like, mm. but you have to remember you didn't cause it. You can't right. fix it. And um, codependent relationships say, if I love you enough, if I do enough things for you, you'll love me. You'll change. You'll become who I know you can be. But that sets you up for failure and self-betrayal yeah. and self-abandonment because you're also doing doing things for someone who is active, not making a choice is a choice. Sure. So they're actively choosing to either not do a thing or to just do the opposite of what you need. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. Like I said, <laughs> podcasting, you just edit whatever. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> totally yeah. works. Um, is there a, like a sentence structure, I guess that would, you could use to diffuse a situation. Let's say that it is sure. a, a moment of frustration to where you realize you, you've listened to this podcast, you've done mm -hmm. research, you've read books. You're like, okay, this right here is not okay, but we haven't worked out whatever it is the tensions are in this codependent sure. thing. So, cause I heard you say, and it seemed like it was somewhat of a pattern. Maybe I made it up, but <laughs> where you acknowledge how they feel first uh -huh. and then you tell them what the acceptable behavior is. Is that what the sure. structure should yeah. be? Yeah. So one of the, um, one that's, that's just setting a boundary. Like it's okay. helpful to say like, I see that you're angry, but you're not going to yell at me. Yeah. I see that you're mad, but you're yelling and that's not okay. So I will leave this conversation if you continue to yell. 
Yeah. Now that takes a certain amount of practice. So we start with smaller boundaries. Please, um, please do the dishes when you say you're going to do them. Please put your phone down at dinner and spend time with me. Please um, don't slam doors when you're angry and you walk in the house, like things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, when we want to talk about an issue that we're seeing, we take ownership that it is our issue. And we say, I feel blank when blank, because this is where that emotion comes from. And I'll explain, please do this thing. So for example, um, my past, my, I was married now separated and my husband would, he got very cruel. And one of the things he would do was like come at me physically. Like he would walk towards me in like a really, like while he was angry in a really threatening way. So I started seeing a new guy, totally lovely, wonderful man. But as a joke, he would do that to people. So he did it to me and he's, you know, six, two, I'm five foot. Like he's, he can be very intimidating. He did it as a joke to me. And I had a big emotional reaction because there was a time where that was literally threatening for me. So I was like, uh, no, (laughs) like we're never doing this again. (laughs) But instead of yelling at him or, you know, just saying, what are you doing? You're such a, you're such a jerk. I explained, I feel afraid when you step up to me, even though I know you're joking because my ex-husband used to do that and he wasn't joking and it was not safe. Please don't do that again. Perfect. And he understood, oh, not only is her reaction not about me, here's what she would like me to do. Now, they can agree or not agree to do that because they're adults and they can make that choice. Sure. But if they don't agree, that gives you some good information. Okay, if he like, said, hmm. no, I, I'm not going to not do that, then it's like, okay, well, you can go. But right. sometimes we <laughs> ask. <laughs> right. Yeah. So don't let the door hit you. But yeah. sometimes we ask for things that aren't feasible. So if perhaps um, your husband was an active addiction for a while. You said there are some drugs that you cannot stop cold Turkey because you'll die. Like alcohol is one of those. Let's say you say, well, I need you to stop drinking right now for the rest of our life. And and they say, I, I can't do that. It's not that I don't want to do that or that I, I'm not willing to do the work to eventually get there, but I literally cannot do that. Here's sure. what I can do. I can go to AA. I can, um, there are certain medications that help people wean off alcohol without the seizures. Mm-hmm. So I can talk to my doctor. I can get a counselor. I can buy a book and work through the workbook. So then it just becomes problem solving, which is really where people want to be. Here's what I'm seeing as a problem. Here's how I feel about it, which is my own feelings. Here is what I would like to do. And let's talk about if that's feasible. Yeah. I love that too, because it also allows you to step away. And so it, Mm -hmm. it, it makes me so frustrated because people who don't have someone who has gone through addiction, do not understand. And I was one of those people that they, that I, I caused judgment and and past Mm -hmm. judgment and and things. And then when you go through it and you have somebody who is rooted in addiction, you realize he has an addiction. He is not right. an addiction. He is still a person. Right. He is still the man that I married. He's still You're not an addict. Kid. You are right. someone with an addiction. And yeah. that's only and one part. That people first language, it, it just makes me cringe yes. when people talk about it because I'm like, and I love what you said about taking the problem and being problem solving because right. you are not the problem. You have no, no. a problem. And mm-hmm. so looking at it as problem solving takes away yeah. that pressure of I'm bad. I have to change. 
I am flawed. I am whatever. And most, like you said, most likely a lot of that's already rooted in. So pounding Mm -hmm. that into them is not helpful and it's not going to make a positive change. And people don't change if they don't think they're valuable enough to change. And if you shame them, guess what? (laughs) They're not super inclined to change. So that framework saying, I feel blank when blank, because here is why this emotion is happening inside of me. It's my own emotion. Mm -hmm. Please do this thing. What it allows us to do is that is a conscious relationship. Now, conscious just means aware. We are aware of our own emotional reactions, our own triggers, our own biases, our own things that we bring to the table. We allow them a choice to say, I can do this, I will do this, or I can't, or I won't, which is allowing them to fully be an individual and empowered to make their own decision, which is another hallmark of a conscious relationship. We respect them enough to say, here's what I need. Can you meet this? If you can't, let's talk about it. And it makes it in a safe manner because we're not saying you're a POS and we hate you and everything you do is wrong. It's, hey, this specific thing is not okay with me, but that emotional reaction is coming from me. So while I deal with this emotional reaction and process that, here's what I need you to do. Yeah. And I think too, that it's important to have that level of um, love and respect because if a stranger comes off the street and they're like, I really, the way that you're walking is really on my nerves. You need to stop. You'd be like, what, you know what? And this is actually a thing because when my husband and I walk for some reason, I don't walk straight and it drives him nuts. So like at some point I'm going to bump into him while we're walking and he's like, what in the world? And I know that's a silly example. But if somebody comes off the street and tells me that, I'm going to look at them like, are you, are you serious? I'm like, mad, bro. Like, that's yeah, not like, who cares? Who cares what you yeah. think? But then if right. my husband says it, it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to be more conscious of that. Right. And I'm going to work on it because I didn't realize that was something right. that was upsetting you. And like I yeah. said, it's a silly example, but having, yeah, having a level of relationship makes these things valid. So I think right. too, if you do have right. that relationship, maybe it's an abusive one or what have you, where it's, there's never been a level of true love or respect. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably also another sign of like, I'm not sure that this can be fixed. Right. So, and and there, there are sometimes, so that, that framework that I gave will not work for some people because they like being abusive. True. They like that power differential. They like making their partner feel and be codependent. Like that is not a safe thing to do with someone who is outright abusing you. Right. Because it is not safe. So if you are, if someone listening is in a a physically, emotionally abusive relationship, do not use that. It will not be safe. That's when you want to get more support. Call the local family crisis center, reach out to a friend, make an exit plan. Don't tell them about it. Like that is a completely separate conversation. Codependent relationships are not always abusive relationships, but abusive relationships are always codependent. So the things we're talking about for codependent relationships will not work if there is abuse. Perfect. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to lead to because I don't want, I I don't know everyone, everyone who listens to the podcast. And so I want to make sure that if someone is in that type of relationship, 
it's not yours to fix if, no. if you don't have both parties involved in right. commitment to fix that relationship. So thank you for saying yes. that because it is important. I don't want someone to stay when they don't need to. Right. And there are many reasons that people stay, but the things that we're talking about is for lack of a better term, like a mildly dysfunctional, it's not sure. like running as well as it could, but it's not somebody is literally abusing you. That That is not safe. They need more support. They need very different strategies. This is not for them. Perfect. This is for, I have some, I think I have some codependent tendencies and I want to talk to my partner about that. This is for those people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is about making a marriage stronger, not trying to just make a marriage in general. Right. Or a relationship. Yeah. Right. Very good. Yeah. Perfect. So if we have some mamas who think, ah, I'm kind of feeling like maybe I'm codependent or, uh -huh. or what have you, what would you say would be the very first step for them to take? Ah, good question. I would say start being aware of your own thoughts and patterns, because if we are not aware of something, we cannot fix the thing. Sure. Now there are a million and seven books. There's a billion um, you can follow my Instagram page. I talk about it sometimes. The holistic psychologist is very good for codependent um, Instagram. If you just search hashtag codependency, there are so many therapists and um, coaches on Instagram teaching about this. Perfect. So that can yeah. be lovely. Um, Instagram is a great place. That's one of my favorite places. I hang out there a lot. But start being aware of your own behaviors and thought processes and reactions. Because once we're aware of them, we can say, ooh, is this really what I want to do in this situation? And it may not be. And then we start saying, okay, self, how do I want to show up? Yes. Well, I, I do want to set boundaries and I do want to tell them how I feel. And I do want to ask for what I need. And then you just, as simple and as hard as it sounds, you just do that thing. Hey, I feel uncomfortable when, um, I don't know, when we go out to a bar and um, everybody's drunk and I don't drink, like that makes me uncomfortable. Or I feel um, overwhelmed when you are walking in the door and you expect me to be your therapist and we haven't even said hello, like please don't do that. Or you may need more support than I can give you. Yeah. So yeah. we just become aware first and then we decide, is this how I want to show up? And if it's not, how do you want to show up? Step. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Very good. Well, where can they find you on your Instagram? It is, thank you for asking, at Amanda underscore chills, C-H-I-L-S, just one L, like you're cold, but only kind of cold. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like Louisiana in the winter. <laughs> yeah, like kind of cold. It's a little bit cold. Um, yeah, basically the one day of winter that you guys have. And it's like, right, yeah. Yeah, watch, um, watch we have like a blowout winter this time just because that's a bit. <laughs> it's going to blizzard, right? Uh, hey, that's yeah. great. My kids pray for snow every year. So Oh, that's so cute. You know, my dad, so I grew up in Central Florida. My dad used to um, put the sprinklers on when it was going to freeze overnight. Uh -huh. So, and he would be like, it snowed. And oh, my mom would get so mad because it would kill the grass. <laughs> yeah, my husband would probably be glad he wouldn't have to cut it. <laughs> yeah. So if it's going to freeze, like, there you go. There you um, go. All right. Or you can hang out with more me. More tips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> more tips to make your kids happy. Yes, um, yes. Or people can find me on my website. Um, 
amandachills.com and I have a podcast that you're going to be on right after yes. this. Like yes, yes. that's called the root of power. You can find it Apple, Spotify on my website, whatever. So perfect. Hopefully you guys had as much fun listening as I did giving the interview. Really podcasting is just so fun. So if you have questions about codependency or what it looks like, shoot your girl a message. I am so happy to continue teaching on these things. Y'all have a great week.